Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everything's gonna be alright, cause you're the lucky one. You're the lucky one, always having fun. Welcome, welcome to Bleeding Blue, a show about the history of the New York football giants. My name is Justin Panic. You will see snacks in the conversation that we had with Big Blue VCR. The conversation that we had was all about the luckiest moments in Giants franchise history. St. Patrick's Day theme. It's not this week. It's going to be next week. We're going to split up the conversation that we had into two parts. This episode, Big Blue VCR is going to talk about moments or numbers 10 through 6. And then next week will be the luckiest moments, number 5 to 1. Big Blue VCR, Matt, he is an encyclopedia of Giants history. Really just chock full of information, chock full of nuggets, and uh, reliving some... Lucky moments for the next two weeks. Here is Big Blue VCR. Here's the show. Here's part one. Hope you enjoy. All right, welcome back to the show. We now want to welcome on a person who I consider to be an encyclopedia of Giants history and somebody who I think is the best person to go to when it comes to the type of theme and the format that we're carrying out, which is the luckiest moments in Giants franchise history. We're celebrating St. Patrick's Day. Snacks, you are notorious for loving the Irish. Uh, See, I really don't appreciate when you say that, Mm -hmm. um, because while I look very Irish, I'm not at all. So it's a little... um, discrediting to my ancestors and everything. So I would appreciate if you would apologize and take that back. I do not apologize because I need to introduce our guest, Big Blue VCR. Matt, welcome back onto the show. We interviewed you last year. So this is going to be a little bit different, not really like a formal interview, but I felt like you were the perfect person to go to. And I don't know how many episodes we are into Bleeding Blue Snacks, but this is the first time in Bleeding Blue's history that I am handing over the reins of an episode to somebody else. So, BBVCR, Matt, welcome onto the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Amen. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm honored. Like, I, I didn't realize that's a lot of responsibility that you're <laughs> handing me the reins over here. I didn't realize it was, it was that level of, uh, of uniqueness for this, for this uh, uh, episode. But no, it's great to talk to you guys again. So, what we're going to be doing is top 10. Now, Matt, you sent me probably about <laughs> 20 or 30 moments in the dms which is i said this is this is why that i that i love you because if you're good at what you do i like to think that snacks and i we're we're good at what we do and you know the shows that we do and and everything that we do but if you're successful it's because you're good at what you do and we're all psychopaths with this stuff so you sent me like 30 moments of like lucky mo not even games but just lucky moments in giants franchise history i'm like all right 
We're going to have to narrow it down to 10. So the show is in your hands. Introduce a lucky moment. Introduce a lucky game. Wherever you want to take us, let's do it. Lucky the Irish. All right. Excellent. So I'll set some ground rules over here because, again, like I said, is, is I, had to, yeah, I had to edit myself down because I did go a little overboard as I was going. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's this, there's this, there's this. No, but I love it. So I, I tried to focus on, I was like, okay, what lucky moments in Giants history can I look at that either have a direct impact from a playoff spot, building towards a championship, or an actual championship? Mm. So where I'm going to start right now really is for number 10 is the 2002 tiebreaker scenario. Yes. Yes. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Matt, before you came on, I, I wanted to ask you about this. So I'm so pumped. This is a start. Okay. I'm yep. all ears. Yep. So, so this was a game that I, I was at was the giants were playing uh, the Titans and they were up by 12 points in the fourth quarter. The, uh, Jim Fossil had a lot of stuff happen. He was the coach. Jim Fossil won a lot. Like he won all his games in December, but he had some like, like horrible meltdowns that we don't need to get into. But this one against Tennessee was one of them. They blew the game. Uh, McNabb uh, or McNair, McNair gets a touchdown, like with like nine seconds to go. He gets a two-point conversion. They go to OT. Giants lose 32-29 in overtime. So that drops the record to six and six. So now you're like, oh, like, you know, already the pressure was on Fossil at this point. He had demoted uh, Sean Payton, where Sean Payton was not calling plays anymore. So they're six and six. They look like they're dead. Then comes the Jim Fossil, like, December run, where he goes, they beat the Redskins, they blow out Dallas, and then they go into Indianapolis, and they basically route Indianapolis. That's the mm-hmm. game when, when Kerry Collins went crazy and, and Toomer had 200 yards receiving. And uh, so they win. Now they're 9-6. and six. Now keep in mind, when they were 6-6, when they, were six and six, they were looking up at two teams in the standings who they had to hope would fall apart. Those two teams were the Falcons, and the Vikings. So the first thing, the Falcons were eight, three, and one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, sorry. It, was, it was the Falcons and the Saints, not, not the Vikings, the Falcons and the Saints. Yep. So this, the, the Falcons are eight, three, and one. They then dro- drop two of their next three. So suddenly that gives the Giants life when the Giants are having this winning streak. The Saints, meanwhile, actually are, are even worse. The Saints are nine and four. So the first thing is they're taking on the Vikings in New Orleans. And this is the part where you have to like almost picture this in your head. So Saints are up 31-24, about five minutes to go in the game. Vikings come back. Randy Moss scores a touchdown with five seconds to go. They cut the lead to 31-30. to Instead of tying the game to go to overtime, Mike Tice decides to go for two. Culpepper scores. Vikings win 32-20, win, win uh, 32-31. And then all of a sudden, you know, horrible collapse right there for the Saints at home. The next week, they're taking on the one and thirteen Bengals. They're winning thirteen to seven in the fourth quarter, and then a running back named Nick Lucci, uh, he scores two touchdowns, including the game winner. Saints lose twenty to thirteen, and then now because of these losses and because the weird tiebreakers, they're now nine and six. They're tied with the Giants, and that's why the Giants game against the Eagles later on, which I'm going to talk about in a bit meant it was winning in because if the saints had just beaten either the Vikings and they had them at home or a terrible uh, Bengal team, the giants are on the outside looking in. So they're in trouble. So because of the way that both the, uh, the, the Falcons fell apart and the saints fell apart, that opened the door for the giants for that final week to have a chance to win. Otherwise that comeback means nothing. Fossil gets fired after 2002 and uh, they never make the playoffs. So 
total things out of your hands where we've seen the Giants have to hope somebody loses that actually helped that actually happened that actually happened right instead of like 2010 where the I, I think it was the Bears that had to win or against the Packers or some whatever the case but like to me I so I was I was probably nine or ten years old at that time and you know I had no idea of like the tiebreaker scenario and and how everything worked like that I'm like okay we're playing Eagles it's winning in and and I remember Jeremy Shockey getting a jump ball from Kerry Collins and uh against Brian Dawkins and getting that. And then, you know, I, I like you said, you're going to talk about it later, so I don't want to give it up. But just that whole aura of a game. Now, real quick, and you don't have to, like, very quick, that 2002 team, to me, I thought they were really good. And maybe not really good, but I thought they could have made a run. They kind of they kind of got hot at the right time, like normal Giants teams do when they win Super Bowls. And I think it was a testament to being up, a gazillion points in the fourth quarter against the Niners. And then the, the Trey junction or Trey junction, Trey Junkin, whatever his name is, the bot snap and the Matt Allen, the non-pass interference, everything like that. But I, I feel like that team could have made a little bit of a run. Do you feel that way at all? Or was it kind of like, yeah, they should have lost to the Niners, not in that fashion, but they should have lost early. No, I was really, annoyed because 2002 was one of those seasons there was not a juggernaut there was not like right, a powerhouse right. in the league that year so the giants had gotten hot where basically what what fossil did was he simplified the offense he basically said okay i got Amani tumor i got jeremy shockey i got tiki barber and i got Kerry collins these three guys are the guys i'm going to ride with and he opened things up a little bit more for them and that offense was crazy like if, if you know we all hate that niner game how it ended but if you watch if you just watch the first half of that game, Collins cruising. was going up and down the field on them. Yeah, they, like, they, 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 they were cruising. They couldn't stop. I think two or three touchdowns in the first half, or whatever. Like they couldn't stop anything. So the way that giant team was constructed, I really thought that they were going to go in there. They should have beat the Niners, and then from there, like I said, is is I think they would have had Tampa the next week is where the mm-hmm. is where they ended up. Yeah. I didn't think that Tampa was all that great like you know you know maybe they would have lost there but the giants would have given them a fight and right. and like i said is, is their offense was a matchup nightmare for everyone yeah. you know the defense was opportunistic was coming along so yeah like i agree with you like once they started getting on that roll i really thought that like they had a chance to make some noise so like it was such a gut punch for that that niners game yeah it, it always kills me because i remember that 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 was the one when, when the Bucks won, they beat the Raiders, right? The 2002 yeah. and, and they just, mm-hmm. and the Giants that like you, like we were saying that they, they were hot and the fact that they were up so many points against the Niners. I remember Strahan pointing at T.O. Like, look at the scoreboard. scoreboard. Yep, yep. I remember all of that. So I, I'm glad we share the same sentiment that that team could have probably made a run if they just snapped the ball correctly or, you know, maybe if the defense made a stop, but I don't want to get too far into it. No, but I have a question. I have a question yeah. for both of you since, oh you know, snacks, you, you remember that moment and be, you know, I Matt, you, 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 I, I missed school the next too. day. I, I cried to my parents because I said I was going to get made fun of by my friends because the giants blew it. So, they so yeah. So would you trade that moment for the, you know, would you trade it away if the re if the alternate reality happened where either, the Falcons or the Saints do not collapse and then the Giants don't make the playoffs. Would you have rather them not make the playoffs mm. that year or are you okay with still suffering that moment because they made the playoffs? Matt, you can answer first because I, I think I've got my – I think I've got my, my – My thought is is making the playoffs is so difficult that I would take the playoff chance, even though that was such a, a gut punch. I'm a big believer also that 
you get to the playoffs as a team, you learn about dealing with the pressure, you learn about like the stuff. So yeah, as horrible as that was, and like, yeah, like, you know, if the, if the Vikings didn't blow it, um, we would never had to experience that. I, I would still rather be in the playoffs. Yep. That, that, that's fair. I, uh, I, so normally I would say, no, I'd rather not make the playoffs and like escape from the misery of what was. Cause you're very emotional. I am very emotional. And like that playoff game, I'm, I was nine years old, like legit nine years old. And everybody at that. No, you would have acted the same. You would have cried if you were 27, if you were nine, but that's my point. Exactly. I've been the same person since I was that, that age. And, (laughs) and I legitimately didn't go to school because I was in tears. I was like, mom, dad, I cannot go to school. I'm going to get made fun of. I can't do it. And I would still, I would rather go to the playoffs because the fact that we had that win and in game against Philly. And I remember it so distinctly and, the events of that game, which again, I know Matt, you said you're going to, you're going to bring up later on. So I don't want to get too far into it. That Philly game alone makes that playoff misery of a loss, which I consider worse than the Deshaun Jackson game in 2010. That's why I asked. That's why. Cause I know that is such, that is such misery for a lot of people. It's, so it's the like, worst it's in want? my, in my lifetime, in my lifetime. And I, you know, I, I told you a million times, like 2000 is like the first season. I really, became a sick psychotic fuck and that was when we got blown out by the ravens in the super bowl and to this day that 49er loss in the wild card round is the worst loss i've ever 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 experienced as a giants fan yeah and i would still take being in the playoffs and what we did to philly and now knowing the history of it like what had to happen for us to even have the winning in against philly to get there i would still take that normally i would not though so you're right justin you were on to me you were on to me yeah All right, so Matt, why don't you take us through your second moment? Okay, so number nine on the list. We should put like drum rolls in this or something. Uh, I have the 2008 missed field goal by John Casey in the win and in, or or not the win, it's for the win for the home field advantage in the playoffs. So again, setting the scene for that one. Uh, And we all know Giants started 2008, 11 and one. They were the best team in the NFL. They beat everybody who was going to be in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that was... In my mind, the 2008 team was the closest to the 86 dominance wow. that I saw. And I actually thought for a little bit they may have – for a stretch, they may have been better because the offense was better in the 2008 mm-hmm. Giants than the yeah. 86 offense. Yeah, The de- Giants defense, yeah, Lawrence Taylor was the difference. But basically the overall defense play, like that was the most, you know, like uh, complete team the Giants had been in a long time. I mean, like they blew out the Ravens. I was at that game. And they were just they just shoved they ran the ball like up the, down their throats. Yep. Black shoots himself. Giants lose a couple of games in there. So now they're in this situation against the, the Panthers. It was Sunday night football. It was freezing. I was I was at that game seeing it. And I remember it like snowed and like ice was just like before it. Um brutally, brutally cold. That's a game where the Panthers jumped up first. They're up like 21-10 in the first half. And then it was back and forth. And the Giants come back, and then Jacob scores a touchdown. Eli gets a two-pointer to Hickson. They tie the game 28-28. But there's about, you know, three minutes to go in the game. The Panthers have a chance. Panthers drive down the field and get in a position for John Casey to kick a field goal. Now, keep in mind, John Casey, and I had to look this up, he hit in his career 42 field goals of 50 yards or more in his career. Wow. So he had the leg to do this. but. And I, I did a post of the while back that I found an old video from the Giants where 
um, they were somebody was discussing. I think it was Matt Millen was discussing how Parcells used to have them open the doors mm-hmm. at Giant Stadium, old yeah. Giant Stadium, which would mess with the wind, yeah, and would cause all the swirling to go on. And at the time here in 2008, you were still in old Giant Stadium, so suddenly the crosswinds are kicking up, and Casey kicks the ball, and right before it, actually, um, I think it was Andrea Joyce who was on NBC talks about it, and she says there's a crosswind. There's a crosswind coming from like left to right or everywhere. Yeah, and, yes. and, and sure enough, kick goes, goes wide, right. You know, like, you know, as a giant fan, like, you know, we've seen them lose on 60, you know, Graham Gano beat us with a 60, whatever yard field goal. Oh, and, please. and, and, uh, uh, you know, the, the guy in Philly beat us 60 yards. So we've seen these long field goals go against us. That one, once it pushed wide, it then opened up the giants in, in overtime, they get the ball. Derek Ward runs right down. And then instead of kicking a field goal, Coughlin's not messing around. He gives the ball to Jacobs. Jacobs pounds in, I think his third touchdown of the day. Giants win, Giants clinch home field advantage in the playoffs. So my my number nine moment is John Casey missing that field goal and that gust of wind pushed it just wide, even though he had hit 50 yarders 42 times in his career. Right. And and, and to, I'm so glad you brought up the, the sideline report because I don't I what I don't know if you tweeted out recently or or somebody else because I just I literally just recently watched that video. And that kick, when it's going up, it looks like it's going in. And you could see some of the Panthers like going like this, like it's good, it's good, it's good. And then like the bare last second, it goes wide. And that was just so unbelievable. And Al Michaels is like, is, is the NFC going through Charlotte or is, are we going overtime? And uh, that was an absolute electric game. And Justin, I think we did a, we did a spot on, on like – you know, my favorite plays is a running back that I've seen live and, and Derek Ward's running overtime. Yeah. It was 54 yards and setting up Jacobs overtime touchdown for the win was, was one of them. Just, that was an unreal game. And, you know, obviously uh, the game against Philly in the divisional round with home field advantage was not good, but we don't talk about that. So that I, I, I love that one. And that game was one. I wish I was there for that one. That is one of the better games that the Giants. I was, had. I was there. You were there. Ah, so I'm the only one here that wasn't there. Fuck me, huh? <laughs> well, it's funny that, you know, like, uh, yeah, I, I actually, actually, I did. I tweeted the other day because when I was doing my my research and prep for this, I was going through it and watching it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to show that one again. And yeah, boom, it, so I put it up. It was yeah. you that I saw from. I was who saying, else, okay, who yeah. else would tweet it, Snacks? Who else would tweet it? No, you're right. You're right. I, it's why this, this collaboration of Bleeding Blue, a Giants history podcast, and Big Blue VCR is like second to none. It's like, the, <laughs> it, it's like Mantle and Maris in 61. It, it's just perfect. But you know what's funny is, is it, invariably, whenever I tweet something about that game, somebody responds. And in hindsight, they may not be wrong. If the Giants had lost that game mm. instead and the Panthers have home field, they don't face the Eagles. Yeah. And in my mind, the Eagles, which it turned out to be, the Eagles were the only team that was a bad matchup for the Giants that whole playoffs. You know, yeah. they, they beat it before. Philly is just like, you know, there's always something about Philly with them. If the Giants lose that game, Philly goes to, I believe they go to Carolina mm-hmm. and the Giants yeah. play the Cardinals. Yeah. And then oh, you would have had the Cardinals in that cold weather with, with uh, uh, Warner coming into Giant Stadium in January. Maybe they don't win that game. Look, look I don't know. Like, you know, do the, do the Panthers beat the Eagles? I don't know. But I think that if it doesn't work that way out, the Giants are in the NFC Championship game and, see, and we see what happens. But, right. and, you know, it is what I, it is. 
I completely agree with that. And, you know, the Eagles kicked our ass that game. I was actually at the, the Eagles-Giants playoff game in divisional round. I remember there was like a kick return or a, a, a block kick for a touchdown. So it wasn't like they dominated, but they definitely kicked our ass. Now, I, it's funny how that works out. Like you're, you're so rooting for home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And we kind of, we, you know, we backed ourselves into a corner. We're playing Philly that year. And then you fast forward how many years and instead of playing the saints in the Superdome in the NFC championship game, we're playing the Niners on the road. So it kind of, I guess it kind of, <laughs> it all evens out once in a while. And uh, that's yeah, you're, ju- you're jumping ahead of my list over here. That's oh, oh, my, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. 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 <laughs> you, you're getting good. Shit. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Um, I thought let's, so we can keep going. We'll go to number eight. Uh, next one over here. So number eight, I'm going to stay in the end result of the 2002 tiebreaker, which is the win and in game again against the Eagles. Now, like, you know, we said before I was, I was at that game. It was a game that the giants should have killed the Eagles. They were up and down the field on them. They, the giants had a couple of touchdowns called back on very, very questionable calls from the ref. Um, Tiki Barber fumbled three times, even though he rushed for 200 yards in that game against the Eagles. Um, but, you know, as we know, it was it was 7 nothing into the fourth quarter. You have the jump ball to uh, Shockey, 7-7. Seven to seven. Going late in the game, Tiki fumbles for the third time in the game late, and the Eagles recover the Giants' 26-yard line. So now you're like, oh, God, like this is just bad. The Giant defense holds, and then on comes David Akers. Now, David Akers was a Pro Bowl kicker, did all this stuff, but he never kicked well in Giant Stadium. Hmm. He always had problems in Giant Stadium. And Madden had talked about it in previous things that it got in his head. And later on, like in 2007, like he actually missed a couple field goals, even in the game when OC had six sacks. Like Madden talks about it. He goes, sometimes even great kickers, it gets in your head. You can argue that this game is where it started it because he came on for a 35-yard field goal, which, you know, like that chip should shot. be chip shot automatic for an uh, NFL kicker. He hooks it wide or he kicks it wide right misses it and like i've shown that before you see the fans going berserk mm-hmm. in that thing in the moment because he hits that field goal giants lose that game all the likelihood they lose 10 to 7 and the whole thing goes to hell they don't make the playoffs and stuff he misses it game goes to overtime in overtime aj feely i think was the quarterback for the I eagles was gonna, i was gonna ask you i'm so i'm so glad you brought that up because yeah. McNabb was sitting that game right yeah, he was sitting. So yeah. he didn't play. The Eagles did rest a few guys, but yeah, Feely came in. Feely got picked in overtime where it's probably very likely. I think Brandon Short may like mugged like, you know, their 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 tight end, but ball tip, Sean Williams got a pick. And then, you know, uh um uh, uh Matt Bryant kicks the game winner. But there is a little point there that I have to raise that why you mentioned Trey Junkin's name before snacks. Mm-hmm. The reason Trey Junkin was signed was because he was like a you know he was like 40 whatever years off their late 30s or whatever yeah, he was an old dude he'd been, a, he'd been a long snapper forever after he was a tight end for the raiders for a while in that game i think it was it was chris bober was this was the, asked to long snap because the giants went through a bunch of guys got hurt that couldn't long snap for them so they put chris bober in there it was funny chris bober actually follows me on twitter ah, and he made a comment about this before where he was talking about like you know, that he had a tough time with this, like the grass or whatever it was, and he, he never had time to really practice it. His his snaps, even in that game, were bad. And in the overtime one, like Matt Allen, the punter, had he had to like take it off his hip, put it down, 
Bryant kicks a field goal to win. And if you go back and you watch like the 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 Joe Buck highlight, he says like bad snap. Because of that snap, the Giants afterwards said we we're going to get hosed in the playoffs. We need a long snapper, and they got um, they got Trey Junkin out of retirement to play that one game because Trey Junkin never won a Super Bowl. And he's like, you know what? Like sort of like Eric Weddle just came out of like retirement yeah. to win the Super Bowl with with the Rams. They basically tried an Eric Weddle, like get him off, you know, like the house and just come here, just long snap for us and maybe get a ring. And he said afterwards, and a trade junk said he wished he stayed retired. But yeah, it was be- <laughs> yeah, it was be- it was it was because of Chris Bober struggling with the long snaps in that game against the Eagles that convinced the Giants to sign Trey Junkin. Mm. I see to me that that's so wild because I would have rather Trey Junkin snap it at Matt Allen's hip in San Fran than in the dirt. But regardless, now it, it, correct me if I'm wrong real quick, and then we can go on to seven. But um, when Shockey caught the ball over all pro Brian Dawkins, um, wasn't Matt Bryant's extra point like very close to being missed? Uh, he, yes, he hit it off the upright actually. He did, right? He, yeah, it yeah, was yeah, very he, close he, to being missed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he hit it off the upright, and that was because this the timing was off because the snap was bad. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, go figure. So, what a fucking and, disgrace. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. And what's funny is, is I when I wrote about that, I, every now and then I'll, I'll I'll tweet Matt Bryant, and he had said, he actually wrote back. You know, he tweeted back at me or whatever responded, and he Respect. had mentioned that that the field was all chewed up by that time because that's the grass field still at Giant Stadium. Giant. You're now into Week 17. The Jets and Giants are both playing there. He said the field was just right, re- and they they tried to put new sod down before the game and it didn't take and it was slippery and then everything basically so all the operation the kicking operation was completely screwed up yeah so uh yeah so so matt bryant basically told me like you know why he had so many problems on that that field and and that's why he said also why acres missed as well same thing he goes these guys said they couldn't kick on that grass yeah well i i guess that makes sense uh you know i listen when i screw up at work i make excuses too but regardless yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so so number seven I got a tie for number seven, Ooh. both involving our friend Tony Romo ah, and the Dallas Cowboys. I know where this is going. I, th- I think you know where these are going. Yep. So 7A is the playoff game in Dallas when the Dallas is the number one seed. Giants are going in there. It's, you know, the, the Dallas is running the ball and strangling the Giants that whole game. And then Giants score before the half, tie it at 14-14. Third quarter, Dallas gets another long drive, but then Romo actually misses an open uh, Trell Owens. It could have been a touchdown and ended up being a field goal. They're up 17-14. Late in the third quarter, it's a third down. Romo escapes the pressure because at that point, the giant pass was starting to get to him. He steps up. He has Patrick Creighton, who's wide open for an easy first down, if not a lot, lot more. And Creighton he just drops He, he could have went to the house, yeah. He could have taken the house because he was coming on a crossing pattern almost. Yep. And you saw the Giants defense. And at that time, if you remember, the Giants had like so many injuries on de- on their defensive backs, like Sam Madison was able to play. They relied on blitzing and pressure to hide the defense. That's how Spags did that, handled that game. Creighton was would have been gone. He would have, yeah. like I said, like if it like easily a long, you know, easily a first down, if not a lot more. He drops it. Next play is the punt that McCorders takes back into Dallas territory. You switch the fourth quarter, and then you have the Jacobs touchdown where he smashes the, the, the play clock. And then at that point, you could feel all of Dallas tense up because, like, oh, my God, we can blow this. Yep. And then Dallas stopped trying to run the ball. Um, they were throwing every down, and the pass rush got to them. So 
if Patrick Creighton catches that ball, Giants may, you know, the, the, that that season may be over right there. I may intentionally be jumping the gun, but now I was I was nine years old, so I don't remember that. But what I do remember is Tony Romo missing a wide open Miles Austin, mm. which would have basically ended the 2011 season. That feels yep. like a 7B type of thing. That would be the 7B type of thing. <laughs> and that's exactly it, where um, in that game, the Giants had, had, you know, they were down by, what, like 14, I think 16 I think or whatever it was. Well, or yeah, you know, or 15, 16, yeah. Yeah, something like that fourth quarter. And they, they cut it to 34-29, I remember. And at that point, Dallas is near the two-minute warning, and Romo has Austin wide open because uh, I think it was Aaron Ross bid on, like, a fake. It would have been a 70, 70, 75 yard touchdown easily. Gone. Game over, season over, you know, end of it all. The, the Giants go nowhere. He overthrows Austin. Austin pulls up. And after that, he punts back. And I've, I've shown the highlight before. And Al Michaels, as you see Eli coming onto the field after that punt, he's like, You can hear a pin drop in this place. He goes, I never heard like 100,000 people where you can hear a pin drop because they all know, like, they feel like doom is coming that they just let the giants off the hook. And it's a hundred percent what happened. Like we know Eli went down, he goes, uh, you know, he get, you know, they, they score the touchdown. They get a two point conversion. It's 37, 34 JPP blocks the final field goal where crazy Al Michaels lets out like an exasperated thing. Like he lost money on a oh bet, which he may God. have easy. He's, he's, he's like, Oh, he makes it sound like that after yeah. JPP blocks it. Um, but yeah, miles Austin missing miles Austin. I would have won a wide open touchdown. Ends that game, ends the season for the Giants. Yeah, it, 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 I remember that play to an absolute T. And, you know, I I think it was Collinsworth with Michaels, and he's like, oh, it could have been lost yeah. in the lights or something. No, that, I, I, that was just really bad. And it's funny how Tony Romo has been on the opposite side of so many things. One is 7A and 7B, one of which not his fault at all because the Patrick Creighton play was an unbelievable quarterback play. And to throw it from the side of his body going left like that as a right-handed thrower was ridiculous. And then just flat out missing Miles Austin, whether it's uh, you know, a screw up in in route or whatever the case may be. But that was the game and that it's was bad. the season. Yeah, it's it's, it's bad. really bad, really, really bad. So I am all in on those two, and especially again, fuck Dallas, absolute losers, not America's team, haven't won in 25 years, no one cares about them, they suck. So Matt, big blue VCR. I am that probably so far is my favorite too. Sorry. <laughs> That's great. And, and uh, one thing to mention, it's not fair, I guess, in the in the uh, the spirit of the lucky thing. But if I remember, Romo actually broke his knuckle like at some point during that season. That's why he was playing with a bad hand. That's right in week seventeen. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's playing with a bad hand. So Dallas actually lost a few games against some pretty bad teams along the way. Because they had backup quarterbacks, which then brought them back and opened the window for the Giants. I didn't mention that, but yeah, like when he, that's why he was playing with it. Because even in the week 17 game, he had a problem holding the snap. Yes. And they said like his hand was hurting the whole time when he was doing that. And he just had to suck it up. Yeah. And play. I don't think um, it would have mattered week 17. The Giants kicked their ass up and down. The oh, yeah. No, it, it, it would not have mattered. Like, yeah. that, like I was there for that game too. Like that was one yeah. where just you, you felt it. Like they were walking into a buzzsaw. And that was the time yeah. when Dallas was just every year they go eight and eight, they'd be on the precipice and they would yes. blow it in yeah. the last game of the season. So that was a lot of fun. That early cruise, seventy-four um, yard touchdown, just like slot out, boom, that was it. All right, yes, sorry, go ahead. Yep. All right, so number six. This one is I'm calling it the Eli Manning trade. 
because the Eli Manning trade was technically not necessarily legal in the way the NFL does their business. And there's a tie-in because Ernie Acorsi is involved. So this is where I'm going to say like a little bit of luck, and this is for Acorsi. So the little bit of history lesson was Ernie Acorsi was the GM in Baltimore back in the 80s. And at the time, the Baltimore Colts in 1983 were picking first overall. John Elway was the the number one pick in everyone's mind. Like he was going to be the top guy. Marino came later, but Marino had all these like rumors of like drug use and stuff like that, which is why he fell in the draft um, from Pitt. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that, that's why. That, <laughs> Sorry, like, that's a fun fact. Anyway, go ahead. yeah, yeah. So, so, so that that's why he fell when, when people thought like what was going on. But Elway was the guy that everyone wanted, and he was the guy who. Um, who Ernie wanted Elway and his father made it very clear. They did not want to play in Baltimore. And the reason they didn't want to play in Baltimore was they didn't trust the Ursay families, the owners, because they said the, the ownership there is sort of screwed up. And we think you're, the team is moving and it's not. And, and there's going to be like, uh, you know, all kinds of upheaval. And the Ursay is like, no, we're not moving. We're not going anywhere. Like, you know, this isn't happening. And what Elway told the um, Colts was if you draft me, I'm going to go play for the Yankees because the Yankees had drafted him and he was going to be the right fielder in Yankee stadium. Like they had it all set up. And there, if you watch, there's a great documentary. I think it's called from, uh, from Elway to Marino, a 30 for 30 ESPN. And they talk about it. And there's a scene there where they, uh, they, they Elway mentioned, he goes into George Steinbrenner's office and he pulls up this thing of like what he envisions like the 1985 Yankees to be. And the, and Elway's agent goes like, He's like, he's like, who's Mattingly? And he goes, oh, he's a guy who's, who's, with, you know, uh, uh, in Columbus. He's going to be really good. Like, so he's, he's going to be the first baseman coming up. So Elway was going to play for the, he actually played for the Yankees in, in like the spring before in like, in like the, uh, uh, like the, the Cape Cod league and stuff, just to kind of show that it was happening. Ernie basically does not back down. He drafts Elway. Elway then says, I'm not coming. I'm playing for the Yankees. We're done here the Ursays start panicking and they want to trade him. And, and what Ernie tells the Ursays is he goes, look, if you're going to do that, there's going to be two press conferences. You're going to announce the trade and I'm going to announce my resignation. So they tell, so, so they say, okay, whatever, they let it go. It wasn't until May later on that finally the Broncos trade happens where they send him to the Broncos for a number of picks and, and like other, other, you know, like players and, uh, you know, of course he leaves after that, but it always sort of like stuck in his craw that he let Elway go. Fast forward now to 2004, there's Eli. And in Ernie's eyes, Eli is the guy he wants. Eli does not want to go to the Chargers. Now, it's never been like officially said why. The rumors have been that um, Marty Schottenheimer told Archie how screwed up the ownership was with the Chargers because he was there and he's like, you don't want any part of this. I mean, that's always been sort of like the, the whispers of it. And, which makes and sense. that, you know, and, and that ultimately like the chargers may be moving, which we found out later they did when they mm-hmm. went back to LA. So Eli did not want to go to San Diego. So he's pushing back somewhat similar circumstance to what Elway's doing. Eli didn't have the, uh, you know, the Yankees to fall back on, but he had the Manning name, you know, like he's got Archie, he's got Peyton. So he's got, you know, some, you know, some credentials to kind of hold off as the giants are back and forth talking to AJ Smith, who is the GM of the chargers about this, AJ Smith is asking for, you know, first round picks. He's asking for OCU Manura. He's asking for all these players and Ernie's like saying, no, no, no. It then, I think it was in his book, of course you write something that 
he got through back channels that the Chargers wanted Philip Rivers. Ernie didn't want Philip Rivers. Ernie wanted Roethlisberger right. was his guy if Eli wasn't going to be there. He was going to take Roethlisberger at four. So when the draft comes around, Chargers pick Eli. Eli's up there looking miserable. And there's a report Eli refused to wear the hat. If you ever notice, Eli never wears the Chargers never wears hat. The hat yeah. He holds the jersey up, but he doesn't wear the hat. They try to hand it to him. He wouldn't wear the hat. So as the draft is going along, another sort of like whisper happens to Ernie that like, if you take um, if you take Philip Rivers, maybe we can engineer a trade afterwards. Now, this isn't the NBA where you can like in the NBA draft, like you draft a guy for a player later on, you trade him down. Like, you know, that, that's how you know, that, that's how they do it in the NBA. The NFL doesn't have those rules. So Ernie basically took uh, 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 Rivers at a time when AJ Smith could be like, you know what? Like, you know, you know, eat it. He's yours. Screw you. And yeah. then now you got Philip Rivers who's not the guy you want. And there's nowhere that Ernie can go to the to the NFL, mm. you know, like, you know, commissioner to be like, hey, I had a deal that they were supposed to trade me. He's like, we don't have those agreements here. So, you know, Ernie took a risk to actually go do that and believe that this was going to happen, that the trade was going to then happen after the fact while the draft was going on. So when you look back at this thing, there was a little bit of luck in there that, you know, Ernie took Ernie stuck his neck out because it could have blown up in his face. The Giants could have Philip Rivers as their quarterback, who's the guy who they didn't really want. Right. And it, it, that's so that's so crazy to me because Ernie Ernie was hell bent on Elway, didn't get him. He, he Elway didn't play for for Ernie, and I mean this was Ernie's last stop. Regardless, he was a little bit older at the time, no, when he was yep. general manager with the Giants. So if he doesn't get Eli, the guy he wants, his legacy could look a lot different. And you know, obviously, if wow, yeah, that that's oof. And yeah, imagine the reporting. Ima- that- imagine Philip Rivers in New York, by the way. With no, nine- but, but, all, but also just imagine the aftermath of it and the reporting yeah. that would have been done and Ernie Acorsi and the Maras sitting up and Coughlin sitting up there saying Rivers was the guy. Rivers yeah, is our yeah. guy. And, we all know you're lying. You know? Oh, it's like, man, that yeah. would have been bizarre. Bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I will say I, Ernie probably got it right with the, the two quarterbacks he did want in Eli and then Ben was – fallback if he couldn't make this illegal trade with aj smith and the chargers but and he uh matt so real he refused to trade oc right like that was he he he, OC yeah, he was said off limits oc scuttled the trade he said oc's a non-starter you okay. OC, there's no trade okay so yeah he Love he that. pulled and 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 i you know if i remember like even up through the friday aj smith was trying to pry oc and ernie wouldn't put him in and then finally on Saturday after the after the draft happened and Eli was picked, that's when everything kind of fell into play. And then they agreed on, um, you know, the Giants, you know, two first round picks, yeah, um, you know, a third or whatever it was, and 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 those that's that's how it worked out. I think and Roman Oban also went to them. If I remember correctly, the the Chargers kind of got like a good haul from those picks. Like Sean Merriman was a great player, didn't yeah, they? they got Nate Kading. Nate Kading, yeah, who was a great kicker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, they, they 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 yeah they didn't do badly for themselves. They right. just didn't get a guy who won two Super Bowls. Right. So. <laughs> no, that that is very true. And I always find it funny because the year after, I want to say it was two right two thousand five. The Giants only have four picks, and I think all not maybe not all four of those picks were, um, like you know prevalent to the team. But I think it was like Tuck and Webster, and like they had four they had four impact guys. And it's, yeah, yeah, the Tuck Webster's Jacobs and yeah, right, yes, yeah, Jacobs. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, crazy. Yeah. How so that yeah, works they, out. they made they made it count. 
All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. We will see you next week where Big Blue VCR will be taking you through moments five through one, luckiest moments in Giants franchise history. Have a great week. Next week will actually be St. Patrick's Day, so the theme will make more sense. Keep on bleeding blue. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.